once in a while, you get really lucky and you get to really find a friendship with the spouse of an old friend. So I have one male friend that I've remained really good friends with since we were in middle school, my friend John. And John married probably the coolest girl um, that I know. And her name is Linnea Stahlberg. And I don't feel like I know you, Linnea, as well as I would like. And I feel like I say that a lot to you because every time I see you, it's just not intimate enough. And I haven't asked you as many questions really in depth about your life and sort of where you really, really come from prior to John. So I'm really excited about this podcast and getting to do this interview with you because I feel like I have all these questions I've always really wanted to ask you with no kids around and no husbands around and no other people around. So um, I'm really excited about this for those reasons for my own self and then for everyone else who gets to listen to this to know who you are and where you come from and, and all the cool stuff you bring to the table. So um excited to be on this call with you, Linnea. And obviously it's a call because we're in the middle of you know, COVID, we can't do this in person. But so just quickly, um, in like a two minute, three minute segment, will you just tell me about your career? And that honestly, you can start as far back as you want, if it was selling Girl Scout cookies when you were in elementary school or whenever, but just sort of your career highlights. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for the amazing kind words. I can't say enough things about you and your family. And I feel exactly the same way. And the crazy thing is, is I feel like we've had this deep old friendship, even though it's through my husband. Yeah. Anyway, so career, um, I would say at a very young age, I had an entrepreneurial spirit that I never really tapped in until later in life. Um, you know, starting from even my college days, instead of getting a traditional job in the summer, because my dad did, my dad who raised me, I did lose my mom at a young age to cancer. Mm-hmm. Um he, he, although he paid for our college, which I'm grateful for, he made us work. He said, if you're going to be home in the summer, you're going to work and you're going to know what it is to earn a dollar. So I didn't want an hourly job. My friend and I, I went to school at UCLA and I was a fine arts major. We created an art camp for kids and that was our summer job. And it was incredible. Um, and we taught children. And at that point, like I actually thought I would want to go into a career of being a teacher, but then I realized, you know, we live in this capitalistic society and teachers are underappreciated and underpaid. Mm-hmm. So I pivoted and my first job out of college was I represented artists. So it was before websites were easy to build or design work, you you know, it was it was very labor intensive and very expensive. And so a lot of people couldn't afford to have in house designers. So we would assemble teams to tackle projects that they had. Um, so that was my first job. And then from there, I went into managing athletes. So I was action, I, I manage action sports and Olympic athletes at a company called Octagon. Um, so surfers, skaters, snowboarders, you name it. Um, it was such a fun ride. I did that for four years, but I got poached by a company that I had ended up um, negotiating, I think, eight endorsement deals with. Um, They started a spinoff company called Amped Mobile. um, And it was during the early, you know, all the, it was 
back when all those cell phone companies were popping up, it was Ant Mobile, Helio, to name a few. Um, and that also was such a wild ride. Um, I had zero experience in events, but the owner of the company believed in me and he told me, all you need to do is be resourceful and be organized. And I think you can do this. So at the young, mm. I was in my early twenties and driven and they offered me a lot more money than what I was making. So I jumped. And from there, I launched my career in marketing and experiential marketing. And I did that for quite a few years. Um, you know, I worked at MySpace for a while doing all their events back when MySpace was a big deal. Um, and then I, my, I pivoted more into marketing. I was at Spin, Spin Media. Um, they own, or they're not in business anymore, but they owned several publications and websites, Spin, Vibe, Stereo Gum, Brooklyn Vegan, Hype Machine on the music side. Um, and then a lot on the celebrity kind of entertainment side as well. And I started there in the doing events for them and ended up by the time I left four years later running their entire marketing department and their sales marketing department. So I had a great team and I learned so much from there. Um, and then, you know, uh, there's a few other jobs in there. I did some live events, uh, for teens under a company called Digitor. And then I started consulting with a friend of mine who had pulled me from company to company. And we consulted for numerous um, big companies, kind of helping them with strategy, um, helping them with uh, one of the latest fun projects is we worked on the show called Chits Creek. We did a pop-up here in Los Angeles and one in New York. And that was a really, really, really fun project that we did. Um, and then this nasty little thing called COVID hit. And I was at the time consulting for a couple brands and I lost all of those contracts. And at that point, our family couldn't find hand sanitizer. And we just started to research online what it was made from, um, you know, looked up a couple uh, formulations that were approved by the FDA. Um, and we started kind of formulating and mixing at our house and we loved, we loved it, how gentle it was and the smell and how it didn't leave your hands sticky or, or dry. And our friends liked it too. So we started giving it to them. Um, and then our local Canyon store asked us if they could carry it. And from there we launched a hand sanitizer business. So now I guess, what is that? 20 or sorry, sorry, Dave, 30, 30 plus years later, um, mm -hmm. I'm tapping into that entrepreneurial spirit <laughs> that I channeled <laughs> back in my college days. How do you get your hands on so much alcohol? Oh gosh, you have no idea. It was like, um, a lot of online research, to be honest, calling every single chemical company out there. Um, Alcohol is the toilet paper of the world right now. You know, it's, it's right. impossible hands-on. And apparently, I didn't realize this, but Exxon is the one that controls the, the price of alcohol. Um, and huh. they're the, the, the main creators or makers of it, manufacturers, I guess. And they distribute to a lot of other companies who then, you know, mark it up and sell it to people. Oh, wow. I remember right when, the, in like early March... I put in an order with Amazon for a big bottle of rubbing alcohol 
and it said, you know, it's not going to be delivered till, you know, April 25th. And I thought, well, I probably won't need it by then, but I'll take it, you know, and then it came and I'd forgotten that I ordered it. And I was like, sweet, <laughs> I need it really badly now. So I was really happy. Um, so I know how I could imagine that, you know, it must take a lot of, we'll get back to that, but that entrepreneurial spirit, just being able to figure out how to get that in order to make hand sanitizer right now is a big deal. Oh, it's um, just the, the alcohol, the, you know, what even gave us more of a difficult time is sourcing the bottles and the tops because everything uh, supply chain got completely you right. know messed up so um it was difficult to continue to source the 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 things we needed in order to create you know, and make the product so i guess that's a great thing to ask right now is you know there's so many people at a lot of different times in during their life where they're like oh you know uh, there's not enough of this or there's not enough of that or you know i love this kind of lip gloss, but I would like it like this or in this kind of packaging, but so few of us actually do it. You know, it's, you know, it's a lot of inspiration, but not a lot of perspiration. The perspiration, I guess, is what really makes a company successful or what really makes, takes an idea to the next level. So you're doing it, which is magnificent and really is that entrepreneurial spirit that your dad instilled in you when you were young. Um, but you're doing it in the hardest of times when supply chains are not working as they normally do. And supply is low and it's hard to get from one get to actually get it and then it runs out and just things are you know so wacky right now so tell me like you break it down break it down for me like obviously you told us how the idea started but how are you actually doing it well it honestly started with us um buying supplies on amazon <laughs> you know <laughs> and thank god for amazon yeah, I know, I know. Um, and then obviously, you know, we had to source more. So we found other manufacturers that were able to give us larger quantities of things. But our formulation is super simple. It's three ingredients. It's alcohol, 70% alcohol. It is um, glycerin, non-GMO vegetable glycerin. And that's what keeps your hands moist. And then it's essential oil. And I was just trying to find, and I'm not trying to bash other brands by any means, but having children, when you put the jelly hand sanitizer in their hand, it either slides right off onto the ground and you have mm -hmm. to squeeze out more or it, it, it leaves their hands sticky. And, and I, most of them are not a very pleasant smell either. So we wanted something that was really clean, easy to use for children as well. And we also wanted to, you know, if we were going to put something out right now, we're so environment, we, you know, we live in Laurel Canyon where we're hippie-ish up here. And we wanted to put something out that was um, kind to the environment. So we only use glass bottles. Um, that said, you know, I tried and tried and tried to source tops that were, you know, that would work and be able to spray the product. But unfortunately, all sprays, even if they're metal tops, have plastic inner pieces. Um, that said, we also have a refill. So everything that we create is um, created in mind to like kind of help preserve Mother Earth as well. And we urge people to upcycle their bottles, you know. Which is so great because I feel like one of the things that's happening right now is, well, there's two things. One is this amazing, gosh, we were watching something on the news the other night with, um, they were showing video from the most these really dense cities around the world that are usually so heavily um so so much smog and just the air quality is so bad and in the last two months it's lifted and there's it's just a completely different view um i think one of them might have been in bombay and 
in places in China where it's just the, the smog is so bad and it's just gorgeous right now. So that part of the environment um, effects of COVID on the environment has been really positive. But the flip side is, is, you know, like, for example, in Los Angeles and California, we don't use, we don't use um, uh, single use bags in grocery stores, but right now we are um, for safety. So, you know, and all along the streets, you see, you know, I've been seeing masks on the ground and plastic gloves on the ground and people using, you know, plastic shopping bags. So the idea that you're, you know, taking care in just in your materials is so wonderful and so important. Um, I think that's great because it's combating sort of this, what we're having to do or being told to do at least by authorities, you know, in order to be safe and I guess, you know, sanitary right now, which is a shame. Yeah, I, uh, it's, it, it is, you know, we just figured if we're going to do it, we want to do it right. And we had a lot of learnings. I mean, I'm not going to lie. We broke a lot of bottles at first when they were shipped. We had to ship a lot of replacements, but I was hell bent. And John's, you know, John's maybe a little less crunchy than I am, but he was like, Linnea, this no plastic is very difficult because I refuse to use bubble wrap when we are shipping. So we use only paper products too. So it is a cardboard wrap around it it's a piece of tape you know we we really try to to not use um plastic and And how have your numbers been you know it it was really fantastic at first um you know because it was supply and demand there wasn't a lot out there there's so much competition out there right now so many companies have popped up that said we're very grateful um people who have tried the product really like it um it's, I mean, I don't mean to toot our own horn, but you've tried it. It's like undeniably a good product and people are like, this is great. And so what, for me, it's less about the number of people we get to, although trust me, I'd like to have it in the hands of millions of people. It's, we get people who purchase three times now. So it's that repeat buyer is amazing. And we also have some amazing partners. I mean, we're in Broken English, which you know that store. Um, we're down in San yeah. Diego at Sophia Day and Four Moons. We're at um, we're at Little Moon Society in in, in um, Studio City. We're at um, we just dropped at Justa over in Venice. So I have to say, like, I'm really proud of the list of retailers that we're at. Um, you know, we have Valerie Confections as well over in Echo Park. So I, you know, I think the stores that we're con- that we're going with are are mindful stores, and I think that they're, um, you know, they're they also carry other great brands. No, it's perfect. It's great. I think that's a huge, I think that's a really big deal when launching a new business too, is being really conscious of who you work with and who you partner with and who's helping to spread, you know, the word about your company. I think that's a big deal. I don't think it's, um, I think it's something newer that um, that founders are doing nowadays is being really mindful about that. I don't think that used to be the case, um, but I think the longevity of the company really has a direct effect on how you start it and who you work with, um, especially in today's day and age of, you know, especially right now when stores are literally pretty much closed, um, but also just of, you know, people touting your brand and getting it out there. I think it's a really big deal. Absolutely. Thank you. And then, you know, I mean, yeah. one we originally were just selling through stores, selling wholesale to stores. And then, you know, I mentioned that we shipped directly out. We launched the direct-to-consumer 
uh, website because we wanted to give back, you know, so the way, the only way that we afford to give back is by selling retail direct to consumer. So for every bottle of hand sanitizer purchased on our site, we donate one. And, you know, before we even made a sale, we dropped a box over at, you know, our friend Zoe's um, place for This Is About Humanity. Um, you know, we'd love to work with you guys and your foundation to get it in the hands of, you know, people going through treatment and people in need. Uh, we also yeah. have donated UCLA Pediatrics, which is, they're fantastic as well. So, you know, and we don't limit it just to organizations and frontline. I mean, I do do frontline, like every delivery person that comes to our house, I give a bottle to because I'm appreciative that they're out there working so hard and keeping us safe. Yeah, I think that's great. It's a huge part of who you are. And speaking of which, I'd like to just take a step back for a minute. I think that there's, you know, I think about myself too, and I think there's sort of two lines on how to tell our own stories. Um, and we've obviously talked a lot about your career and your entrepreneurial spirit and how it's, you know, the, got you to, to where you are today and all the lessons you've learned and marketing and events and branding and, and got you to this place that you didn't even, I'm sure, thought you would be in creating your own hand sanitizer in Laurel Canyon and, you know, launching it in the middle of a pandemic, of course. Um, but <laughs> without all those lessons, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to do that. Um, and of course, learning lessons along the way about you know supply chain and other things you might not have known before. Um, but I also think that the parallel line of your own personal story is equally as important, if not more so, and what makes you you and what also you bring to everything that you do. So I think that obviously we've talked a lot about your career history and um, you know, started with the entrepreneurial spirit that your dad instilled in you, and obviously it's come full circle, and everything you've learned along the way about branding and marketing and events has, you know, gotten you to this spot right now where I'm sure you didn't ever think that you would be launching a hand sanitizer um, brand and company in the middle of a pandemic, but my guess is all the lessons you've learned along the way in your career have helped you, you know, right now at this time. And you're learning lessons while you're doing it, of course, but it's gotten you to be able to do this. But I think that parallel to that, and I kind of see it as a squiggly line parallel, but sort of curves in between, is your personal story. And that really makes you who you are. And I think it's equally, if not more important to your whole story. And so one of the things you touched on right at the beginning, of course, was that your dad raised you and your mom passed away when you were young and I, if you wouldn't mind just touching a bit on that and how that shaped you as a woman and as a mom now, and also how that sort of helped you and maybe guided you to make certain decisions along the way um, in terms of your career. And then also in terms of how you, you know, raise your kids, your beautiful two girls and, and, you know, how you just have chosen to live your life. Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely feel like, you know, I, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was four years old. Um, so my entire life and my entire memory of my mother was of her fighting. And she was such a strong person and such a loved person. And, you know, she, she never complained about anything and she took her treatments and she was there and she literally worked up until 10 days before she passed. So 
I think I absolutely learned my strong work ethic from her. I, you know, there's some good and bad that comes out of it. Like, I definitely feel like I push myself almost too hard sometimes. Like when I'm sick, I don't stop and rest. I just push through it. And sometimes I get more sick from not resting. But I learned, I watched my mom. Like it doesn't get, you don't see somebody more sick than seeing a parent going through what they went through, you know? So I don't know. I just always feel like, well, it's a cold. I'll get through it. And then I would say like, you know, I was 14 when my mom passed and I raised my brother. You know, my dad worked and to, to take care of us and he was an amazing dad. He did the best he could, um, you know, but working full time, picking us up, driving us around, it, it wasn't easy. And there's definitely times when, you know, I was so upset with him that he forgot to pick me up after soccer practice or swim or whatever it was. And, you know, that, that, um, you know, I, I, I think at the time I was so young and naive and like, I, I didn't realize like he was doing the best he can. And, you know, he, he says to me this day, he'll never forget it. I think I was either 19 or 20 years old at college. And one day I just picked up the phone and I called him and I said, you know what? I love you and I appreciate you. And I'm sorry for anything I ever did it or said to you, like, you're a great dad and you did the best you could. And I recognize that now, but you know, and he was like, it, it didn't take me as long as maybe some people, like, even though it was years to recognize that he was so grateful for that. Um, you know, but I think it absolutely impacted who I am because I'm just the type of person who's going to get things done. It's like no excuses. You have to be resourceful. You have to get it done. I cooked my brother dinner. I made him lunch. I drove him around. It's like when you grow up at a young age, of course, too, you learn skills. You know, and I think you're 100%. Yes. You know, it, it definitely made me have a strong work, work ethic and it made me resourceful and it made me not give up and it made me. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's it. Resourceful, strong, not giving up and, and just not taking no for an answer. Yeah, it also made me. um I guess in the same vein, um, I was older than you when my mom passed away. I was 21, but my brother was 15, so around the same age as you, and I helped raise him. He was 10 when my mom got sick, and I, so I was really around a lot for him. And I, I think it also made me, now as a mom, it made me, it made me as a mom have a reality that moms can get sick and die, which I know sounds so, you know, heavy and sad and awful, but it is a reality when your mom passes away when before their time and at a young age. And when you're young, to me, that's like a reality. So the way I've done raised my kids is this like idea that like, I not so much like I can't miss anything, like I have to be there at all times. And I'm this, you know, crazy mom who has to watch them all the time. But more about the idea that, like, I, I, I'm not, I can't be complacent. And this, um, this job and this gift that I've been given of being their mom is, is so important. Um, and I had the, the training of, with my brother and the, um, and I, I think of him as one of my kids, which, you know, he's now 37. And I just told him that the other night and he looked at me and was like, you're so annoying. And I was like, well, sorry, that's how, <laughs> that's how I feel. 
um, when he actually was over at our house on Mother's Day in quarantine. And I was told him that I was so happy he was here too. And he was like, well, you're not my mom. I'm like, I know I'm not your mom, but I feel like you're one of my kids. Even if that doesn't make sense to you, that's how I feel. But I feel like that too, that that's the way I raise my kids is this really like in, with this intensity that other moms might not have because a cold is nothing. Like you said, like a cold means is nothing or, you know, even getting a fever is nothing because when you've watched your mom fight cancer and then, you know, not make it like, there's nothing more sick than that, I guess. Um, yeah. Does that make sense to you? Or is it, I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but to me, it makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this thing. It's like, you're, you're soft, but you're hardened too. You know, it's like, I might, mm. I, I'm compassionate, empathetic, but I find myself kind of, not around sickness like you know I know guys can be dramatic but yeah just a cold you know um and and so so maybe that's that's a bad quality that maybe came out but I also think it's it makes you stronger right you're 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 stronger and Mm -hmm. you know I my kids are too I agree. I think you pass it down I think you know you have girls and I have boys I think you pass it down um probably you've done a better job of passing it to your girls than I have to my boys for some reason I've they're not they're they definitely get the man flu so <laughs> and I probably baby baby them in that way which is terrible um I didn't mean to but I certainly have I've noticed now that they're older um which is my bad and someone else gonna have to deal with that when they're older but <laughs> um but but I do think there's this I yeah I know but there is this idea there's you know old teenagers and stinky but I do think there's this idea of um of of this like spirit inside of us that is also when we are raised and we have this we saw these amazing strong women who worked really hard and who raised their kids while being while being sick and while fighting really hard for their lives, I do think they instilled in us this incredible, I just feel like it's like this golden nugget of power to be strong, resilient women and to know that we have to work hard, that things just aren't given to us. Um, And for me, I know it's translated into all aspects of my life. It's translated into my personal relationships, into my work and to kind of everything else and I feel like that's why I find you as sort of a kindred spirit I feel like it's it's the same with you um so that's like what you said at the beginning I feel like we're old friends even though um I haven't known you all my life and I know you through your husband but whenever I see you I feel like as if I've known you always and I feel like a lot of that's because of that shared nugget that we both have that we were given from our moms Absolutely. You know, you can't, um, it makes you stronger, you know, it's tough to deal with no matter what age you're at, you know, 14, 21, five, you know, 40, um, easy, you know, but it does, it, 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 it makes you who you are. I mean, there isn't a day that goes by that, you know, I don't wish she, I wish she was here. Same with you. But I also know that, that, the loss of her has made me who I am and I have to be grateful for that. 